Judges chapter 13 is a chapter where we are introduced into the next judge up, right? Next man up, next judge up. And he's that flamboyant, colorful character that I'm sure most of you guys know and have heard his story, Samson, right? Everybody knows about Samson. And we'll find out over the next three chapters that although he does some wonderful things and as he's known for, strong things through the power of God, in the end, he goes down in history as a colossal failure, right? He's a story, if he's nothing else, of unfulfilled potential, right? Promises that are really unfulfilled. He started pretty good, had all the privilege, as we'll see today in the story of his birth, but he didn't finish very strong. But today, we don't get the fun chapter. We just get the introduction. We're introduced to Samson. And if you want to know the scene to which Samson is born into, it's verse one. This is the scene that the nation of Israel is in, the landscape where he is born into. Check it out. Verse one, chapter 13 of Judges. And the people of Israel again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord gave them into the hands of the Philistines for 40 years. <laughs> it sounds familiar, right? This cycle, this pattern, Israel again does evil in the sight of their God. Right? Isn't that the cycle? The cycle of sin? Oh, we know the cycle too, but let, let me remind you of the cycle of sin uh, that's portrayed with the, the Israel right now. It's, you've seen it every chapter, right? They, they, they sin. They go after other gods. They're unfaithful to their God. And then finally, God just gives them over to what they've been doing delivers them into the hands of whether it's the Amalekites, right, or the Midianites. And then what happens is they get squeezed so hard because they're oppressed. God kind of judged them and said, here you go. And then they cry out, oh, God, deliver us. And then what God does is he rises up another judge, savior, deliverer, whatever you want to call them. Today, we're getting prepared for the next one, Samson. But there's been lots of them, right? And and God's faithful and delivers them out of the hands of those oppressors. And they live happily ever after. No, they go whoring again and put other things above their God. Right? And that's where we're at right now. Israel again sinned and did evil in the sight of the Lord. And man, are you kidding me? How could they do such a thing? God Almighty, God's chosen people. That's a familiar cycle. That's what the long pause was for. That's your cycle. That's my cycle, right? These guys, in fact, what's kind of unique about that first verse is it never says they cried out and asked for a deliverer. I think these people at this point are so far gone in their sin and rebellion, they're not even asking to be saved from it anymore. 
You ever been there? Absolutely. This cycle should arrest you. This should say, yeah, yeah, that's my story. Or we could say, oh man, Israel's so bad. I can't even believe it. And then you go home, you look in the mirror and you go, oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. One of the great things about the Old Testament to me is the character of God who never changes. This God right here is the God of grace. He's a pursuing. He is a long-suffering. He is a gracious God. He's the God of second and third and fourth chances. Amen? And when our cycle comes around, I'm just thankful. That verse arrested me because you can't shake God. You know that? He will pursue you. If you are truly his, he will come after you. He will come running for you. You think you can shake him. You just wallow in your sin for a while. He will come get you if you are his. He will leave the 99. He will come find you. And you cannot shake God. This God right here is awesome. Verse 1 is awesome. Israel again did what was evil. And so he gave them over. But he's going to raise up a deliverer like he always does. He's going to pull them up. It's where grace does its best work when we are at our worst. When we're hopeless and helpless, he chases after us. Let's just be honest. Us rebels, we're a lot like the Jewish people. We're, we're rebels. We did the running and the sinning. He did the chasing and the redeeming, right? And on Sunday when I came to church, Miss Megan's beautiful voice singing that song, The Reckless Love of God, that's what, when I read verse one yesterday, that's what I thought of. And I want to read you the lyrics and it'll, it'll be repetitive. Just listen to me. This will set the scene of how awesome this God is and what he does for Israel and what he does for us. Before I spoke a word, you were singing over me. You have been so good to me. Before I took a breath, you breathed your life in me. You have been so kind to me. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Oh, it chases me down, fights till I'm found, leaves the 99. I could not earn it. I do not deserve it. Still, you give yourself away. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. When I was your foe, still your love fought for me. You have been so, so good to me. When I felt no worth, you paid it all for me. You have been so kind to me. There's no shadow you won't light up, no mountain you won't climb up. Coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, no lie you won't tear down, because you're coming after me. There's no shadow. Again, I'll say it to you, because Israel sinned again and again, and so do we. There's no shadow you won't light up, no mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, no lie you won't tear down, coming after me. Amen? I didn't even sing it, and I got a clap. <laughs> See, if Megan was up here, you guys would be all crying right now. That should touch you. 
That's the landscape of Samson the Savior is going to be born. Let's check him out. Here's the scene. They're in that vicious cycle, but there's a God that they cannot shake. And he comes after them, and he provides a way. Let's check it out. Verse 2. In these little verses, I'm going to entitle something from nothing. Check it out. There was a certain man named Zorah of the tribe of the Danites, whose name was Manoah. And his wife was barren and had no children. And the angel of the Lord appeared. And remember, when you see the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament, this is the pre-incarnate Christ. This is Jesus before we called him Jesus, right? This is the eternal son of God showing himself to people. So the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, behold, you are barren and you have not born children, but you shall now conceive and bear a son. Therefore, be careful and drink no wine or strong drink and eat nothing unclean. For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son and no razor shall come upon his head. For the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb and he shall begin to save Israel from the hands of the Philistines. Then the woman came and told her husband, a man of God came to me. I love this part. And his appearance was like the appearance of the angel of God. It was very awesome. I did not ask him where he was from. And he did not tell me his name. But he said to me, behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. So then drink no wine or strong drink and eat nothing unclean. For this child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb to the day he dies. So there it is. Something from nothing. It's amazing sometimes where God does his work that we appreciate the most. It's when we have nothing. If you notice, he comes to a barren. It's not an uncommon story in the Old Testament or even the New Testament. A barren an unnamed woman. They didn't even give her name. I find that kind of disrespectful. <laughs> I do. I think it's for effect. She could not have babies. And in that society, that meant something. And they didn't even give her a name. But through that one, God is going to create a savior, a deliverer from the Philistines. They're arch enemy. I think God does his best work when we realize in the end of the day, I know it's a partnership. In the, in the end of the day, I know he can, it's, it, it's, it, we work together, God and people, but when it all sifts down, <laughs> he's the supernatural one. The Bible's chock full of ordinary, nothing people doing extraordinary feats because they serve a supernatural God. Amen? That's the story of how Samson was born. It's our story as well. Something from nothing. She's going to produce something with wonderful potential. Oh, we'll see. He may not fulfill it, but man, this guy had every opportunity Something from nothing reminds me of that song. <laughs> we all 
or barren women. We all got nothing. He's, he's the vine. We're the branches, right? That song you sang maybe in your old church when you had hymns that you broke open, right? All I had to offer him was brokenness and strife, but he made something beautiful out of my life. Remember that song? I have a memory singing that song in an old church with a lot of old people when I was young, as you could imagine. And more than one of them was crying. That's our story. Nothing. And he makes something special. Here, (laughs) this unnamed barren woman is going to produce a very special boy. His name is Samson, and you might have caught two things that were special about him. One is he's going to be a Nazarite. He's going to take not just a Nazarite vow for months or a year like they did back then. He's going to, it says, be a Nazarite from even in the womb until the day he dies. That's the vow that God wants to, Samson to, to have. And so he tells his mom to be a Nazarite while he's in the womb, right? And that vow usually, it always consisted of not eating anything from the grapevine, right? So the grape, it's like, uh, doesn't want to be drunk with this, wants to be filled with the spirit, right? And, And God's like, hey, just anything around the grape, don't eat or drink, okay? We don't want you drinking too much kombucha and getting drunk, okay? That's kind of the idea. It's, don't even be close to that. And then the second thing uh, is that you're not supposed to, to cut your hair. And that was your outside, right, sign that you were consecrated or set apart, separate, into trying to be as close to God as you can. So don't cut your hair. When people see you, it was in a culture where long hair wasn't the norm for, for men, and so they, they would say, oh, he's a Nazarite. And then thirdly, he wasn't to be around dead things, right? He's to be uh, ceremonially clean. So, so that's what the angel of the Lord tells his wife. So he's going to be special. He's going to have a special uh, consecration. He's set apart to God. And, and two, I don't know if you caught it, but He's going to be the deliverer or the savior. It says there in verse 5, he'll be a Nazarite to God from the womb, and he shall, it's a great phrase, begin to save Israel from the hands of the Philistines. So he's going to be a savior, a deliverer for his people. But did you notice that he said he's going to begin Because if you know this story, and I'm sure most of you do, the Philistines wreaked havoc on Israel all the way. I mean, it took to get to David before they they conquered that. They got free from the Philistines. But he's going to start. And it reminds me, you know, as we spend a couple chapters with Samson, he has all this potential so awesome. He gets a better start than most people, than maybe some of the other judges. But as all he can do is begin, 
I wonder if he would have obeyed God, if he would have fulfilled his potential, if Philistines would have been conquered right here. Samson, done. I think, yeah. I think the tragedy of Samson is maybe had a good start. He didn't finish very strong. And I don't know. Maybe this one's for some of you guys that are finishing strong but didn't have a good beginning, right? One of his failures of meeting his potentials, he didn't finish. He's not gonna finish. He only is a beginner. You know those people that start a lot of things but don't finish any of them? I think he was destined to finish, but he didn't fulfill his destiny because he didn't go with God, as we'll see in the next chapters. You gotta learn to finish. It's much more important how you finish than when you start. Do you know that? And it's so great to get off to good starts. We want our kids to get off to good starts. You want to start off your business good, not behind. I get all of that. But it matters much more how you finish. It's never too late to finish if you have breath in your lungs. God wants you to finish strong. That's a sad saying. He'll just begin the process. And we got to go along and find better people, more... It's pretty sad. We got to learn to finish. One of my favorite parts about athletics is there's a game, a little microcosm of life, maybe you could look at it that way. There's a time period. So there's a beginning, there's a middle, and there's an end. And I love watching teams, individuals finish games. See, the reason I like watching some sports is I'm pretty competitive and I like to see people compete. When the chips are down, when it's mono a mono, if you will, who's gonna who's gonna fold the tent? And if you know what you're looking for, it's not that hard to see the people who don't finish strong in the face of adversity. And, and I learned to finish by the sport of wrestling. And will you indulge an old has been of a wrestling story? Yeah. Okay. I'm old enough where I'm starting to try to write these down because I literally have wrestled hundreds of matches, some at a very high level. I don't even remember any of them. I remember the few I lost, is basically. But I remembered when I won the other day, so I thought I would tell it. You ready? Okay, it's what taught me how to finish. Finish. You got to finish. And my very first college wrestling match taught me that. And his name was Broderick Lee. And this guy was a national champion, Division II from Portland State, and U of O always wrestled, you know, not a Division I. You know how they have like tune-ups? Our tune-up was Portland State. The problem was Portland State had five Division II national champs. They, had, they were good. They were the national champions of Division II. And this year, they thought they could win five or six matches from us. So it was a big match. And I had never wrestled in college yet. And I had Broderick Lee, who was the best lightweight on the West Coast by far. He went on to be on a world team. Very talented. And he was the only guy I ever wrestled that I thought was a lot faster than me. So I was in trouble because that was what I had going for me. Anyways, my coach said, hey, listen, Dan, I don't care how far you're behind. I don't care how far you're behind. Just don't get pinned and you'll get him in the end. And I was like, oh my gosh, my first wrestling match, I have to wrestle this guy. And the only thing I had going for me, because I was... Freshman, little, I was little for my weight, is that I had pretty good lungs. 
He said, just push the pace from the very beginning. Don't let up. I think I took 20 shots in the first round and about 25 shots in the second round, and I never scored on any of them. I was down by like eight points in the last round. But my coach was right. I got this guy so tired that he could barely stand up. And I am not exaggerating. We pushed the pace so hard. And in wrestling, if you don't know the sport, most don't, but it's really hard to pin someone or turn them on their back. And that's where you get lots of big points. So sometimes as a strategy, you let the person go, you give him one point, and then you take him down and you get two, so you get a net one. Does that make sense? So it's a strategy when you can't turn them over, you just keep cutting them and letting them go and you're netting one point. Well, I was down by eight points, so that would mean that I would need nine takedowns, right? If I let him go, I'd be down by nine. And I started doing that in the third round and I got to the point where he wouldn't let me go. He wouldn't take his point. I'm like, I had my foot on his back trying to give him his point. He's like, don't let me go, I'm too tired to wrestle anymore. And I got him so tired that I swear it's the only time in all of my wrestling career, even when I was a little kid, where I, I think he just rolled over and let me pin him. He did. <laughs> National champion. I only had two pins in my whole career. I didn't pin people. He was one of them. <laughs> it was awesome. But I remember, I remember leaving that match and I was like, oh my gosh, I can finish. I got better lungs than most people. And that was my, that's what I did. I just, I was so ineffective in the first and second round of my freshman year, but man, I got people tired and it taught me that, listen, it's much more important how you finish than how you start. He was a special person. This woman was going to bore a special son. He was a Nazarite and he was also a quitter. He didn't finish very hard. So those are a couple points I wanted to make on that. Let's read, let's keep going and, and see how this works out. We'll go to verse <clears throat> eight. Then Manoah prayed to the Lord and he said, oh Lord, please let the man of God whom you sent to my wife come again and teach us what we are to do with this child who will be born. And God listened to the voice of Manoah and the angel of God came again to the woman as she sat in the field. But Manoah, her husband, wasn't with her. So the woman ran quickly and told the husband, Behold, the man who came to me the other day appeared to me again. And Manoah arose and went after his wife and came to the man and said to him, Are you the man who spoke with this woman? I mean, it's his wife. He calls her this woman. <laughs> and he said, I am. And Manoah said, Now when your words come true, what is it to be this child's manner of life? And what is his mission? And the angel of the Lord said to Manoah, of all that I said to the woman is that let her be careful. She may not eat of anything that comes from the vine, neither let her drink wine or strong drink or eat any unclean thing. That's all I've commanded her to observe. I titled these couple verses, God Hears, but he doesn't always answer your questions. <laughs> Did you hear it? It should make you feel good. Manoah prayed to God, and the Lord listened. God listened to the voice of Manoah. That should make us all feel good, right? He prayed an earnest prayer, and it said that God listens. He always hears us. 
Prayers can be a rote. It can be just, for me, just so religious, right? It's like this, thank you for my food. You know, it's just this, God's hearing you. God hears you. In these simple things in these verses, maybe it's the pain meds I've been on the last couple of days, but it doesn't really seem like that impresses me much anymore until I read this. God, he, he heard Manoah. Out of all, do you know when you pray, God hears you? Do you know that? The apostle Peter says, the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. Right? He goes on a couple chapters later to says, then why don't you cast your cares upon him? Because he cares for you. He hears, he sees, he cares. Should be reaffirming to us. Amen? Just those little miracles of being a Christian. Prayer. That the creator of the ends of the earth hears your cries. Should awaken you just a little bit. It should. Right? Come on. God Almighty. It's like sometimes we think that things are too small for him or to care, but is anything too big for God? So how could anything be too small, right? He's just God, and he hears you, and that should make us all smile. Amen? He listened. And sometimes these little things that we take for granted, like prayer, it might be healthy just to revisit them sometimes. Not only earnestly prayer, but Contemplate the fact that when I pray, the same God who spoke that into existence actually hears you. It's pretty impressive. Do you ever work with kids or interns or at work or somebody that you know more than, and you take your life for granted, then all of a sudden a kid says, whoa, that was really cool. How'd you do that? And you... Have you ever caught yourself going, I can do a lot of, I can do some cool things, right? <laughs> One of the things, I'm very thankful that I do this internship program at my clinic where I teach fourth-year optometry students. And one of my favorite things about it is it keeps me, at least a little bit, from being an old burnout doctor. It does. Because they're young. And they're like, hey, show me how you did that. How did you do that? I'm like, do what? Because we are just take so much for granted, right? I get excited again. Hey, I do get to do some cool things. It's, it's a privilege to take care of people, right? We all have those things, and that's prayer. I think it's God does hear you. I don't know if you noticed, but he didn't answer the question. Did you catch that part? Manoah prayed, hey, God, how, what, what's going to be his manner of life? Help us raise him the right way. I mean, it was an earnest question. And did, you, did you catch what the angel of the Lord said? He, this, this is what, what Christ told him. I didn't tell her anything. What I told her was is to be a Nazarite. He just repeated what he said before. Here's the translation. I'm not going to answer your question right now. But hey, why don't you just trust and obey me? Trust and obey. There's no other way, Right? to be happy in Jesus, that, that, that's what he's saying. I'll hear you. 
okay? I may not answer your questions. You may not see it all right now, but what I'm asking you to do is do what I told you. Trust me. Obey me. That's all they want. And I, God hears you, doesn't always answer you, but he expects obedience. Amen? Let's continue. Verse 15. Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, please let us detain you and prepare a young goat for you. And the angel of the Lord said to Manoah, if you detain me, I will not eat of your food. But if you prepare a burnt offering, then I offer it to the Lord. For Manoah did not know that this angel, this, that this was the angel of the Lord. And Man- see, the angel of the Lord is, right, pre-incarnate Jesus Christ. He didn't know that yet. And Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, what is your name? So that when your words come true, we may honor you. In verse 18, and the angel of the Lord said to him, why do you ask my name, seeing it is wonderful? So Manoah took the young goat with the grain offering and offered it on a rock to the Lord, to the one who works wonders. And Manoah and his wife were watching. And when the flame went up towards heaven from the altar, the angel of the Lord went up in a flame of the altar. Now Manoah and his wife were watching, and they got it. And they fell on their faces to the ground. And the angel of the Lord appeared no more to Manoah and his wife. Then Manoah knew that he was the angel of the Lord. And Manoah said to his wife, we shall surely die, for we have seen God. But his wife said to him, if the Lord had meant to kill us, he would have not accepted our burnt offering and our grain offering at our hands or shown us all these things or now announce to us such great things. God is too wonderful, evidently, if you caught it. The angel of the Lord is the pre-incarnate Christ. This is the Son of God. This is, as we know, Jesus made an appearance to them. They finally figured it out. And when Manoah asked him his name, you notice... This is a name of divinity, wonderful. Or some of your translations may say secret. Uh, It just means beyond understanding. That in every way, his character and nature were absolutely and supremely so wonderful that you cannot grasp it. That's Jesus. Wonderful. What they were saying is, what Christ was saying to them is, you can't possibly know my wonderfulness. (laughs) But my name is wonderful. Something awesome about our Lord, that he's wonderfully secret in a way, that yes, we can know him through the revelation of the scripture, indwelling of the Spirit, no doubt we can know him, but you will never, ever truly know him until we see him and we are like him. And that's the majesty of being a Christian. It's the wonder of it all, amen? 
It's what bores me and inflames me when people think they have it all figured out in the book. You cannot book this one. You will not contain him. Although he's contained in this book, we just scratching the surface of this wonderful one. Amen? That's the name of God. Isaiah chapter 9. You may remember that verse. They're predicting Jesus being born. He said, for to us a child is born, to us a son is giving, given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, shoulders, <clears throat> excuse me, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Amen. The Psalms is David in Psalm 139. Do you remember when he was just, oh, this knowledge is too great for me. You know me so well. You've hemmed me in before me and behind me. This knowledge is too great for me. I can't attain you. That's the idea here. We should be like Isaiah. We should be like the Psalms as we say. It's wonderful. Wonderfully secret. Awesome. This God that we serve. And what else could they do when they finally get that this is Jesus but to fall on their face? Did you catch it? He went up in the flames. They go, oh, wow. I like at the beginning she said, he was so awesome. I didn't even ask his name. He was so awesome. But now he was so wonderfully awesome that he went up in the flames and they said, that's God. And they had nothing but to do to fall on their face. Amen. They knew they weren't going to grasp this one. They knew they were encountering God Almighty. And that's why Manoah was scared. Remember what he said? It's what, what Moses, remember in Exodus, he said, no one, right? Got to turn their back so no one lives and sees God. And then, and then I like how the woman who is the unsung hero they didn't give her a name, but she calmed him down and said, listen, man, he took our sacrifice. He's bringing us a son out of barrenness and brokenness, helplessness and hopelessness. He's shedding his grace on us. He would not reveal this to if he was going to kill us. Smart woman. God is too wonderful, amen? The last couple verses as we finish up here. We finally get to Samson. And the woman bore a son, verse 24, and called his name Samson. And the young man grew, and the Lord blessed him. And the spirit of the Lord began to stir him in Dan between Zorah and Eshtaol. I don't know if you caught this, but Samson has a secret. And not even Delilah figured it out down the road. Did you catch it? Samson's secret. The secret to his strength. What was it? Because when we figure it out, <laughs> you'll, know it's, you'll know it's your secret too. No, no, it's not his hair as flowing as it was. It was not his arms. And you will see <laughs> next week, he goes down to find a lady and there's a lion in the way and he just rips it in half with his arms. He kills a thousand men with a donkey jawbone. That's not, it's not his arms either. 
It's not. Oh, it might be his back. What if it says back? Because you might read, remember in a couple chapters, he just lifts his city gate, which some people is like two tons, and carries it on his back. Do you remember that story? Someone will be able to tell it in a couple of weeks. He just takes the city gate on his back. Nope. If you caught it, it said God's spirit started to stir in work in Samson. His strength was God's spirit. It was God Almighty. And before every one of those supernatural events that we'll read about, it says God's spirit came upon Samson and then he ripped the lion in half. God's spirit came upon Samson and he killed a thousand Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey. God's spirit came upon Samson and he lifted up a city gate and took it like a toy. It's God's spirit that was the strength of Samson. Some commentators say Samson looked like everybody else. That's why no one thought, didn't know what his secret was. Why they had to send a floozy, right? To try to figure out, hey, what's the secret? Maybe he looked like everybody else, except he was like, he didn't, it was Clark Kent that didn't turn into Superman. He's just Clark Kent, just kicking butt. So people are like, what's going on here? I don't know. Was he buffed? I don't know. I wasn't there, but I'll tell you this. It was God's spirit that strengthened him. And that's our, it's our strength. That's our power source as a Christian. Do you know that? With one distinction. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came upon people in a very special way for special purposes. And no less special, we have that same spirit, but he indwells in us now. He is in us. He has come to dwell and dwell inside the hearts of Christians. And it's a power source. If we knew could, what it could generate, it would blow your mind. We'd all be Samson's in a way. Jesus predict, predicted that, that disparity, that difference, that flip over, right? In the Gospels in John chapter 14, he told the disciples, when I leave, God's going to send you a helper, remember? And this one's with you now, but someday he'll be in you. Speaking of the day of Pentecost, when once and for all, the Holy Spirit would take up residence in the hearts of men. Imagine that. So that we would not have to say like King David did, take not that Holy Spirit from me. We have the indwelling God inside of us. It's our strength too, amen? Oh, do you not know, Paul would say, that your body is the temple or the house of the Holy Spirit? He's inside of you. He would go on to say in Philippians chapter 2, it's God in that's inside of you, that gives you godly desires, right? To will and to do for his good pleasure. He not only gives you the energy to get it done, but he gives you the godly desires to seek after those things. Amen? Samson's secret is our secret. It's God's spirit who is in us. And if we're sensitive to it, we don't quench it, Right? We don't grieve it with our sin. We don't just simply turn him off. 
oh, I wonder what we could do. It would be more than beginning like Samson did. It would be finishing, amen? Let's pray. So Father, we thank you so much for your goodness. We're overwhelmed by the fact that you cannot be shaken off of your chosen people. That you recklessly chase us even when yet we forget you. We thank you for pursuing us, for being a long-suffering God. Thank you for your scripture and your son. We pray that our week would go well as your spirit guides us in all truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Good night, guys.